I am thankful for uh, what this year represents. When I look across this crowd, when I see the different faces of this auditorium in this auditorium tonight, when I look upon you, I see accomplishment. I see the blessings of God. I see prayers answered. I see wonderful miracles that have been done and others that are yet in the works. And I sincerely wonder and ask, what will the future hold for each of us? I'm being reflective of this because it is the end of the year, and, and it's a time of assessment. It's a time of searching and, and even inventory. In the business world, I've heard those who are operating businesses speak to profits and losses and uh, the, the health of their business based on what they have done this year at uh, momentous occasions and even year-long, comparing it to years before, the ups and the downs, the economy. I've also watched as others wonder in anticipation where we are going as a nation in our economy, what it's going to look like over the next fiscal year. We operate well enough within uh, fiscal means that we ourselves are looking at year-end statements. We are preparing financial statements, and uh, we are seeing, thankfully, growth and increase. But we are also looking forward to project to see where we can go. But all of us face the uncertainty of the future. We cannot predict. We cannot know for certain what it is. We hope that we hold the ground that has been taken, or at least maybe we can even go forward into greater ventures. But, but maybe you've been in retail stores that you've seen the tags inventoried or do not inventory because at this time there is this air of assessment. All of the Christmas carols have ceased. All of the holly jolly Christmas stuff is being put away. Uh, it's back to business. Of the end of the year, we have been busy preparing documentations and going over uh, numbers and statistics and things for those things which we have to turn in as a church, as an organization. And, and uh, it's just a reality. The, the celebration is over, even if it just seems like it's been hours since we were tearing apart packages and opening gifts, and now it's back to business. And, and the business world reminds us that, 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 that it's a time of assessment. I, I hope I don't sound like a broken record, but I feel that not only is it in the business realm, is it in the realm of finances and, and um, accountability, but also in our personal lives. We're about to embark on a season of greatest of intentions. Uh, you will see parking lots full in uh, gyms and workout centers that have been empty up till now, but, but everybody is determined we're going to lose weight, we're going to get healthy, we're going to we're going to maintain a health regimen, and I hope they do, and, and certainly find no fault with anybody that makes a fresh new start. I believe in those, and thankfully, amen, we can change things in our life, in our habits, in our behaviors, and in our ways, but, 
but, but even as we embark on this new year with resolutions and determination, we look back and we see the season that is behind us and we wonder how well did we do with the time that we have been given. There's no greater commodity that any of us have than time. You can amass fortunes of riches and, and goods, but nobody can buy one more hour of life. Nobody can buy another day, another sunset, another glorious morning. Nobody can buy uh, one moment of time. And so when we consider, when we consider the evaluation of what all we have done, maybe your stocks have grown, maybe your retirement is at a all-time high. Maybe you have earned more this year than ever before, or maybe you are looking at declines and you are looking at reversals and things that you're saying, I, I'm not real sure that I'm going the right direction. Maybe just because of life, you are at a place of pivoting and you are wondering, this, this is a different realm in which we are living. We are now adjusting to new things and a new way of living, and so we are measuring, we are wondering, we are assessing, and, and we all want to know that at some place, in some level, somehow we were successful. We were successful. We were successful. We, we hope that we did not fail. We hope we didn't squander. We hope we didn't get things wrong. We hope that things, if so, were, or at least are not irreparable. We wonder how did we do this year. The Bible tells us of a king whose life was given to riotous living and improper behavior. And he so blasphemed against the things of God that a hand appeared out of thin air and began to write upon the wall until the wise men could not interpret. And finally, Daniel was brought in and he gave the interpretation of what was written. And he gave one of the most chilling assessments that could ever be given. And that is that your life has been weighed in the balances and found wanting, or if I can interpret that for us a little bit, found lacking. Life has been weighed in the balances and found lacking. There was a chill, there was a freeze and a fright that struck this king that immobilized him. He would pass soon because of this judgment that had come upon him. And while I do not want to bring the levity of this room to such a place that we are in panic or worry about what we've done with the time and resources that we have been given, still there is a sobriety and a wonderment that comes to us. What have I done with the days that I've had? What have I done with the resources that I've been given. I recently shared with you that I read a scripture that stunned me in a profound the understanding of which we are given, and if we will not use it appropriately, that our wisdom will be taken from us and our understanding will be given to another. And we wonder how can people act like they act and do what they do. Don't they know better? And even people that we know know better. And this scripture explains that if we do not use it appropriately, that wisdom and understanding will be taken from us and given 
to another. And that is something that literally terrifies my heart, that what God has given me could be taken if I don't use it carefully. In this time of assessment and measuring, Lord, I ask, have I done well with what I've been given? The days, the hours, the weeks, the months, the, the, the lessons that I've learned, the wisdom that I have been appropriated. And, and so we ask ourselves, and, and if we're not uh, careful in our humanity. We balance the scales of our life by the things that we have accomplished and completed. And we look and, 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 at, at what we have done in this life successfully. And, and so this is the measuring stick by which we live. But, but, but if we're honest and, 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 and besides the bravado in which we operate and we tell everyone we're doing good, we're fine, still most of us have a series of regrets that are in the back of our mind, things that we wanted to get accomplished that were never completed, goals that we had for this year that, that we never quite attained or reached, that things that we wanted to do that are not yet done, and hopes and aspirations that were not quite met. And so because of this, we, we look at our good intentions that were not realized and sometimes we determine to double up in the coming year. We'll work twice as hard. We'll try to get even more done. Yet the reality is that most of us are slowing down and not speeding up. And if we're not careful, we are giving ourselves an impossible task. And it can come crashing down upon us. The voices in our head can tell us that we have missed the mark, that we are failures. We didn't, we didn't get it done. We didn't reach our goals. We didn't attain what we'd hoped to. And if we're not careful those seeds of discouragement and doubt will begin to plant in the souls of our mind until the fruit thereof that grows is that of discouragement and despondency. Words that pummel us until we feel, why even try? There are those who would be here tonight who struggled to overcome such feelings. There are those who intended to be here yet in this service, but struggling with the things of life, the thoughts of the mind, the feelings of the heart, the pressures of the hour, the agonizing elements of this soul-searching that seems to swamp us with feelings that are overwhelmed. That is why Paul would twice in two different letters to not the same church, but two different churches, he would not only instruct those particular congregations, but what we realize is this is a theme of his writing that he would tell them that they should not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's 
couple of elements of this passage that I want to extrapolate, if you will allow me for a moment, and that is in due season. It's, it's important for us to understand that seasons play an incredible role in what is done and what is not. We, we see that in the, in the life of Nehemiah and the purpose of this, 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 this one who would rebuild the walls around Jerusalem and come to a point of weariness where he would have to ask, God, strengthen our hands. We are weary. We are shaking. But then there would be a season of uncommon uh, uh, surging forward in accomplishment. And, and they are not balanced. This season that was over time that, that just seemed to drone on. And, and, and where are, are, we going to, are we going to be successful? If you read through this, this lesson, they, they mock him and, and they ridicule. And, and it's, not just, it's not just the opposition, but other Jews. And, and, and it just seems to be coming from all ends. And, and they are putting the pressure on until finally. Finally, they realize, hey, it's done. And how did it happen so quick? And modern engineers are still wondering at the rapidness by which they accomplished that goal in those last 52 days. I want you to understand that that is very much the essence of what I talk, what I'm talking about in seasons. We need to understand that the Bible says to everything there is a season. Amen. Paul would write of the New Testament church that I plant, Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. I, I, I just want to, someone to understand that if we are faithful in what we are called to do, we are never called to produce the result. We are just called to be faithful in the work. So to those of you today that are measuring the stalks that you have planted and wondering if it was worth it, and have we accomplished enough, and is this good enough, and ha have we worked hard enough, and, and, and wondering, are we ever going to get there? May I remind you, amen, that it's in the well-doing, it's in the faithfulness, it's in the routine and seemingly mundane that the accomplishment is won, because if we will be faithful in the planting, in the tending, and in the watering, God gives the increase in due season, when it's time, when it's right. Amen. To everything, there is a season. The Bible says it's time to plant and a time to be plucked up. There is a time for all things under heaven. And the seasons of life are not measured by you and I. We cannot do a thing about them. We simply live in the seasons. I, I need somebody to hear this right now because the enemy has persuaded you that you have control. You have control over the seasons of your life. You have control over the productivity of the seasons of your life. It's as if you you feel somehow that you can produce flowers in the middle of winter, may I tell you that the laws of nature and the laws of time and the law of the season are not superseded by our wishfulness, that we are subject to the seasons of life, and yet it is that our natural ambition and it is the voice of the adversary that is trying
trying to push us into a place of responsibility that is beyond our ability. I've just come to tell somebody, amen, that the power of the season supersedes us because we are subject to the season. Man, you will go through the season, but you cannot control the season. You will endure the season, but you have no say over the season. There will be seasons of incredible bounty where things are prosperous and grow beyond your wildest imagination. And there will be seasons of pruning and seemingly death where you have no power over what is not growing. But the reality is is that our God is the one who controls the seasons, amen, and the timing of our life. And I believe that he is utterly in control of all that is going on, and I have confidence of him, that he who has begun a good work in our life, he is faithful to complete it. God doesn't bring us into the middle, amen, and drop us off and leave us there, but I believe that God who has called you to a purpose. It is His will for that purpose to be finished and finalized in our life. In due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Incredible, the interesting thing about this, if we faint not, both of these words, the faint not and the weariness, both of them are from the same root. They are from the same word. They, they, they almost have the same definition. And so the first part of this phrase and the latter part are bookends to this thing about the season. And both of them are speaking to utter exaltation to the point of spiritlessness, to the point that someone's spirit is given out, to the point that someone feels when we say faint, it's not the swooning and the dizziness, but it is the point of exhaustion to the point of just quitting. I can't do this anymore. I cannot keep keeping on. I cannot do this any longer. And, and, and he opens this verse and he closes it, encapsulating this principle of the season with all of us will be tempted to quit. All of us will struggle to endure. All of us will have moments where we feel like we cannot go on any further. He reiterates it. He is repetitive in this pronouncement. He doesn't write it just in this book, but he sends it in other letters, and he says it in different ways, in different places. Why is it a common element of his message? Because we are human, and we struggle, and we deal with stuff. It is Paul of whom would say, but Satan hath hindered me. It was Paul who would say, I've been shipwrecked not just once or twice. I've spent nights in the sea wondering if I would ever be found. I've been beaten. I've been abused. And on he would go with the litany of his hardships. And yet there still was a task to be done. It was he who would appeal to Rome to see Caesar. But it would be a long journey until he would get there. It would be this one named Paul 
Saul, of whom was called on the road to Damascus, but would spend three years in the wilderness wrestling with his teaching and training and the programming, and then another ten years while he sits in his father's house making tents. Thirteen years between his calling and actually beginning to fulfill the purpose that God had called him to. Thirteen years over a decade, seemingly squandered. Do you think he knows what he's writing about when he says it's possible to be overcome to the point of feeling like quitting because we are overwhelmed with the emotions of feeling like this is getting nowhere. I set goals. I have ambitions. I've got purpose. I got time. And time is running out. Time is running out. Don't you understand, God? If I'm going to do what you've called me to do, I don't have much time left. But he said, here, what we got to understand is there is a season to all of this. There is a season. We just got to let God work in the realm of the seasons. We cannot control the season. We cannot change the season. We cannot change the order of the season. There's only one thing that we can do about all of this from the beginning until the end we just simply don't quit we don't give up it's the only thing I can do is I keep showing up <laughs> nobody knows what it's taken for you to keep showing up nobody knows what you've had to walk past to walk into this house. Nobody knows the times you've pulled into the parking lot and felt like pulling out and leaving. Nobody knows the times that you have walked in here, but to do so, you had to push past failure. Nobody knows what it is to walk in here ignoring the voices that are telling you you're an insignificant piece of this church, a part of God's plan, that if you don't show up, nobody will even notice. And even if they did, no one would care. As we begin to assess this year, we have to put on paper some things, reports that we must turn in. I saw the statistics of those who have been powerfully affected by the ministries of this church. My heart was affected. Every victory that has been accomplished this year, it's not something that we can put up on a poster and say, look at that. But if you're here, if you have been faithful, if you have showed up even when it was hard, even when you had to crawl over stuff that was in your way, you have been a part of ministries. You have been a part of accomplishments. You have been a part of victories. You have been a part. Your offerings have helped fund ministries that we could not have done without you. Your giving, your giving of time, and your giving of talent has allowed there to be a collaborative 
element and an effort in this community that we have the reports and we have the witnesses. And I wish I could show you the notes that I have of people who have visited and talked about the warm and the comfort and the hope and the help that they have found in the embrace of this church from the first time that they have walked through the doors. Amen. I wish I could share with you every example that I have of the witness of what God has done just because you showed up. And I, I thank God for exploits that are powerful and, and, and testimonies that shake the house with the crescendo of amazement of what God is doing. But let me tell you something. While we have those things we celebrate from time to time to time to time, in between every one of those mountaintops are valleys of the ordinary that we walk through, valleys of ordinary services that we come in, we go through motions, we do what we know to do is right, and we walk out. We receive a word. We let God talk to us. We find ourselves on our knee in prayer when we do what is right. And at the end of the year, when we assess every hour that we've had, it might not seem like it accomplished that much. But can I tell you that somewhere in the wall that God has been building, it was that which put together something that is bigger than me and it's bigger than you and it's bigger than any of us individually but collectively God has done things in this city this year powerfully and amazing amen simply because there are those of you that decided I'm going to show up I'm not quitting here I'm going to keep on I will be faithful I will be faithful Proverbs 24 and 16 is a passage that it's familiar to so many of us. And it says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. In no way am I dignifying the fall, whatever that may be. If it's a stumble... Of, of inappropriate in sin or disbelief or behavior or if it's the thought of discouragement, if it's missing the mark. In the biblical words that are used for sins, there is the willful disobedience. It's, it's not just doing wrong, but it's knowing that what I'm doing is wrong and doing it anyway. There is... Uh, there, there, there is the, the word that is used for sin that is a perverting. It's taking something that was meant for good and it's turning it, twisting it into something evil. Joseph looked at his brothers and what God, what you meant for evil, God turned into good. There is this reversing of intentions. And, and then there's the one that's just simply missing the mark. It doesn't mean that we so, so much that we did something terrible. We just didn't quite get where we should. If we are not careful, we can allow the missing the mark to become something that derails us and permanently paralyzes us. I didn't reach my goal. I didn't see the fulfillment of the accomplishment. I started out, I had moments where 
it looked like I was going to get there, and then I just didn't. And so I'm discouraged, and I feel like a failure, and I just feel like quitting. But I've come to tell somebody, amen, that, that the measure of the righteous man is not if we've missed the mark or completely uh, failed, but it is what do we do when we realize that we have not reached the place that we should be? Do we stay there in a place of frustration or do we pull ourselves up and get up again? And this scripture lets us know that though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Your righteousness is not about the steps in between your falling and how good you were able to walk in those days. Your righteousness is about do you get up? And I ask this congregation, we're going to go forward. I honestly believe that. And if the good Lord will allow me to preach what I feel like he's put on my heart for Sunday, we're going to talk about going forward. But in this year of, of looking around and, and what have we accomplished? What did we do? What is it's easier for us to remember the mistakes and find the faults than it is to remember to see the good that was done. So we stand all over this house. I wonder tonight if you could see from heaven's point of view, we're lousy auditors. We are lousy auditors. We are terrible auditors. Those who have understanding of accounting and such would be much more qualified than myself. But, but there are those who, who do the work of auditing in such a way. They, they know what to look for. They look for things that you and I would never even think to look for. There are forensic auditors. They go through. They look for hidden money. They, they know what the telltale signs are that people have put money aside and hid it, and, 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 and they've done sneaky things, with, and they know what to look for because there are signs. My wife, who worked at a bank for a while and in a cash office of a busy business, uh, she has shared with me at times the tricks of the trade. If you're balancing a checkbook, it, you're missing. There's things to look for. It will, it will give you keys into what is missing and how to find it. And, and those who know how to look for such things, it's just automatic to them. They see things that we don't. Auditors see things that we don't. And it was hidden right before our eyes. We make lousy auditors because I can remember missed opportunities when I should have spoke up and said something, but I didn't. I can remember mistakes I made when I said things I wish I hadn't, the look of hurt and injury on the face of others, and I realized I can remember mistakes I've made, disappointments, etc. But I tend to forget the times when somebody had a smile on their face for something small that I did. 
and so do you. We remember what we wish we'd have done differently. We remember the mistakes or what hasn't got done or fully accomplished. And if we're not careful, we can be sitting here in these last few days of these, this year living in a place of frustration or regret. When I believe, honestly, that the Lord who knows our frame and remembers that we're dust and says, even if you give a cup of water in my name, that slight thing will be written down in your account. And I believe the auditors of heaven would disagree with the feelings of failure that some people in this house might be experiencing tonight because I feel like God sent me to let you know that the Lord understands that sometimes just showing up was your greatest accomplishment. And I'm just going to be honest, the fact you're still here means you're a victor. The fact you haven't quit, the fact that you didn't give up in the middle of the journey, the fact that you're on your feet and moving forward into a new year, I feel God sent me to tell you that you're an overcomer. And you've overcome more than you can remember. And that, that, that heaven is rejoicing today in what has been done in your life. And that the seasons will change. And the times of watering and planting that have seemed so ordinary will turn into the celebrations of harvest with weariness if you will remain and don't quit. Will we lift our hands to heaven right now? Come on, would you talk to God right now? Come on, in the name of Jesus.